chorus refrain of, Lord, we want to thank you for the works you've done in our lives. And uh, as I read this portion of um, Matthew's Gospel, um, maybe you'll have that turning in your mind as well. So it's Matthew chapter 8 if you want to follow it, if you've brought your own Bible, or it will appear on the screen as well. And I'll be uh, sort of dipping into chapter 9 as well as Matthew continues this, this theme. But chapter 8, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on them. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another disciple said to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father first. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat with his disciples, and then suddenly a furious storm came up upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed. And asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When he arrived on the other side of the region, 
at, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass by that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. And Matthew goes on to talk about Jesus healing and forgiving a paralyzed man. Talks about his own calling. Talks about Jesus healing a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, raising a girl from the dead and healing a blind and mute man. Amazing stuff. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word and we pray tonight just as we look once again at familiar things maybe to some of us that we would just see you afresh and that in our response to you, you would find us faithful and calling on your name for our need. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, how many of you have seen the film Slumdog Millionaire? It was one of the most popular films way back in 2009. Got a few pictures just to remind you. The sort of uh, advertising film. And it was the story, basically, of Jamal. Um, he's the sort of hero in this story, and uh, his brother as well, as they grew up in the slums of Mumbai. And uh, Jamal finds himself in the hot seat of the TV show in India, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And the story is told quite cleverly in flashbacks. And through the coincidences in his life in the slums as he grows up, he is able to answer every single question that he's asked on his way to becoming, and we have the final slide. And if you've not watched it, spoiler alert. But you knew that from the title, didn't you? He won, he wins, and becomes the millionaire of the title. Thanks, Chris. He finds that his experiences, and in his situation it's through pain and poverty, his experiences uniquely equip him to know the answer. He's able to answer each successive question on his way to answering that ultimate question and becoming that millionaire. Answers that most educated, privileged, and the most affluent in that society could never have known. And in our reading tonight, in Matthew chapter 8, but also 
uh, just going over in chapter 9, we have this wonderful passage where Matthew tells the stories of people who have responded to Jesus in their need. They are people who find themselves out on the margins, outcasts, or people just in need, and they come to Jesus because they have understood something that he is the answer that they need. And that they know something that sometimes the privileged, the educated, the religious leaders in the time of Jesus were not able or wanted to see of who Jesus was. And as you read these stories, at first glance, it seems that life has dealt each one a bad hand. Their lives have been difficult, some tragic, some heartbreaking. All of them come in need. And even Matthew, who writes this account, includes that little story about him in chapter 9, himself. Now, he would have been affluent. But he was an outcast because he was a despised tax collector working for Herod and in so doing working for the Roman occupiers. Matthew reveals how each one of these people reaches out and finds in Jesus the answer that they need. First up, we're told that there was a leper disfigured, shunned because of this terrible disease. We don't hear much about leprosy anymore. So many advances in, in medical science. But I remember growing up in Brazil, I remember my dad telling me stories of going into leper colonies. And that's only in the 60s, 70s. And he, he, I remember him telling me the story of he went into one leper colony and as he went in above the gateway was this inscription which are terrible. Whoever thought of putting it there, hope ends here. It was the most terrible of diseases to have. Certainly in the time of Jesus, you would have been excluded from society, excluded from your family. And if you weren't alone, you were with other lepers. But this man is on his own. In many ways, he's an epitome of human suffering, yet he is ready to receive Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the answer. In some incredible way of revelation or just desperation, he confesses his faith as he kneels before Jesus and he says to Jesus, you can make me clean if you're willing. What an amazing statement of faith. Not please make me clean. Not please heal me. You, Jesus, can make me clean if you're willing. And Jesus responds immediately. And you notice that he actually touches the man. He breaks all the cleanliness rules. He touches the leper. 
And he says the simple words, I am willing, be clean. Imagine this leper singing that song that we sang, thanking Jesus for all the works he's done in our lives. At that moment, he is clean inside and outside. And Jesus tells him, don't go and tell anyone until you've gone to offer yourself and your sacrifice at the priest's so that they may declare you clean, because Jesus was even think of him in that situation. Until he was declared clean by the priests, he would not have been allowed back. How wonderful is Jesus, that he would love us so much. I would have loved to have been there to hear that man's testimony once he'd been to see the priests. Next up is a Roman centurion. He's a very different man. He's a Gentile. He's not an outcast like the leper, but he is despised by the Jews. He's a soldier in the occupying Roman army, and he serves the oppression of Israel. But he has something in common with the leper. He has a need. And he believes... Jesus can meet that need. He knows that Jesus is the answer. He has a servant, we're told, who is suffering terribly. And he approaches Jesus with his need. And when I read it again and again over this week, it was just amazing because Jesus offers to go and heal him. The man shares his need, but Jesus says, shall I come and Heal your servant. And all the man's background and training comes to the fore because he says, no. Don't come and heal my servant because I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word. You just have to say the word because he understands authority. His life has trained him to understand authority and he sees in Jesus authority. And he says, you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is gobsmacked. He's amazed at such faith. But he says he hasn't seen in all Israel and he commends this centurion for his faith. Just say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, it will be as you believe. And he goes and his servant is healed. Wow. Next up, amongst a crowd of people that Matthew tells us Jesus healed. The demon possessed, the sick that were all brought to Jesus. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, his wife's mother. And Jesus just touches her hand and the fever leaves her. And Matthew sees in Jesus 
the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about the servant of God. And he picks up just one aspect of the suffering servant. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases from Isaiah 53, verse 4. Matthew goes on. He just goes on with the story. Next, the disciples and Jesus get into a boat. Well, they get into boats lots of times. But they sail straight into a storm. And so rough was it that the disciples, many of whom Peter included and his brother and James and John were experienced fishermen, but they all thought that they were going to die. They were going to drown. And they turned to Jesus. And he's napping, sleeping in the boat. I don't feel bad about having a nap this afternoon, as Jesus gives us a good example. They wake Jesus up and they say, Lord, save us. And they know that they have nowhere else to go but Jesus. And in their need, they cry out to him. And Jesus gets up. And he commands the winds and the waves to be still. And we're told by Matthew that the disciples were amazed. Well, you, wouldn't you be? Absolutely amazed. Who is this? And that's the challenge that Matthew poses in these chapters. He is the answer to your need. And whatever need that we've come with tonight, whatever need that we have in our lives, whatever need you have, I have, Jesus is the answer to that need. I'm often asked um, by people, particularly on the Alpha course, I remember one long discussion with a young man who said, well, it seems to me that... that uh, it's people who are, find themselves in extreme circumstances that come to depend on Jesus Christ. You have to be in some kind of difficulty to reach out to him. And I understood a little bit of what he was saying. And I wanted to say to him, well, no, you can come from wherever you are. If, you, if you've had the most blessed life that you could have ever had, you, you can come to Jesus. But I ended up saying, yes, you have to have a need. And it's only until you recognize your need that you will cry out to Jesus. Yes, you do have to have a need. And whatever that need may be. But if you never recognize that you have a need of Jesus, you will never call out to him. And there are many of those around. And I meet some of those too. They don't think they have a need for Jesus. Yet all of us need him. They're in the boat. The, the storm has been calmed. The waves have died down. And they, as soon as they get to the other side of the lake, they're met by two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, running around wild. They're very violent. It's never an encouraging sight to be met by those. 
They were so violent, no one could pass. They terrorized the community. And it's interesting to note here that even the demon-possessed run to Jesus. And they run shouting, we know who you are. It's fascinating, isn't it, reading the Gospels and people finding it hard to understand who Jesus is. Demons know who he is. Of course they know who he is. He's the king of heaven. He's the one they rebelled against when they were thrown out of heaven. They know other things too. There is an appointed time when they will be dealt with. There is an appointed time when all evil will be dealt with when Jesus comes again. When we're ever in despair of what's happening in our world, when we're in despair of the evil that seems to rear its head, we need to know this, that even the demons know that there is a time appointed when Jesus will destroy all the works of the evil one. And the demons beg out of these men, don't destroy us, send us into the pigs that are there on the hillside and Jesus allows them. And as they go into the pigs, you know the story, the pigs go running off the cliff into the lake and are drowned. I was wondering why Mark and Luke, when they record this incident, only mention one man. It's the same incident. Remember Legion, when Jesus addresses him. What is your name? And the demon-possessed man says, I'm Legion, because there are many demons in him. Here there are two. But perhaps the others only record one because one came and believed. Remember, he came and fell at Jesus' feet and says, I'll come with you. And Jesus says, no, you stay. You stay and tell the story. What happened to the other one? We don't know. Matthew goes on into chapter 9. There's a paralyzed man. His friends have brought him to Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And he heals him. And then the religious leaders are saying, Jesus is a blasphemer. Because of this, only God can forgive sin. And they're right. But they're also very wrong. They are right. Only God can forgive sin. They are wrong because they cannot see that Jesus is God. And that's what Matthew wants us to see in all of these stories. He's ganging together all these stories of what Jesus has done in all these lives and saying, do you know who Jesus is? And he includes his own story too. I met him and he called me. 
And the moment I met Jesus, he says, my life changed. He invited Jesus to dinner with all his friends, his tax collector friends and sinner friends. I don't know if he called them sinners himself, but that's how they were classed. And they come and they meet with Jesus. Matthew goes on to tell us about a woman who had suffered with severe bleeding for 12 years, who just managed to touch the edge of his cloak. And as she touched the edge of Jesus' cloak, she was healed at that moment, just with a touch. Then there's that synagogue ruler, Jairus, we know him as. His daughter has just died. And Jesus went to his house and she is raised from the dead. Are you not amazed? Two blind men come to Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord. He touched their eyes and their sight was restored. And as they were going on, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Jesus delivered him and he spoke. And the crowd said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. All of these stories have something in common. One way or another, these people were in need, all of them desperate, and all of them know that Jesus is the answer, and were humble enough to reach out and respond to Jesus. In a way, they were all slumdog millionaires. Their situations, their experiences in life had brought them to that place that they could know the answer. The ultimate answer. And G uh, Matthew fills his gospel with such accounts, but he contrasts them. Intermingled through all these stories, he contrasts them with the rejection of Jesus by those who refused to see him, refused to hear, refused to believe, refused to admit that they were in need. And whether it be a teacher of the law whose possessions hold him back, or the prosperous citizens of the Gadarenes. And they see these men set free. And what do they do? They ask Jesus, please leave. Le please leave our region. Not come and stay. Please leave. Or the priests and the Pharisees who accuse Jesus of blasphemy. Accuse him even of being in league with the devil. That his power somehow comes from the devil. See, these are not humble enough to receive Jesus. They fa fail to see him and they don't know that he is the answer. Matthew's an evangelist. The Gospels are evangelistic tracts. Matthew is writing this so that you might know who Jesus is, so that you might reach out to Jesus in your needs, so that you might be able to tell that story of how Jesus met you in your need. I've met people who struggle with faith in God for this reason. Why do bad things happen to good people and seemingly good things happen to bad people? And it's true, these things seem unfair. But 
what I do know is this, if good things blind us to who Jesus is, if good things become more precious to us than Jesus, they are not good things at all. And we have been deceived. And if in the difficult things, which we all face from time to time, if in those difficulties they enable us to humble ourselves and throw ourselves on Jesus, then maybe one day we'll actually say that they were the best things that could have happened to us. Like the guy I met in Long Latin prison who told me if I hadn't been sent to prison, I would never have found Jesus. Or the Muslim lady I met in Lebanon who said, if I hadn't been driven out of my home and had nothing left and was eating grass with my family, I would not have met with Jesus. And she wouldn't have swapped it for anything, having found Jesus. Sometimes the difficulties in our lives don't do harden our hearts to God because we think, how can God allow that? How can God... But maybe we need to turn those around and say, well, actually, we will not understand. But God is good and he never changes. And Jesus is good and he never changes. And if those things have happened in our lives, we may not know why or what. But if we can humble ourselves and throw ourselves on Jesus and say, I need you. I believe we will find that he is the answer that we need. And I believe that God can turn our mourning into dancing. I believe that there is no pain or suffering in this life that heaven will not heal. And sometimes the difficulties, the the suffering in our lives plows up the ground of our hearts to make them even softer toward the Lord. Matthew beautifully illustrates the words of Jesus that he records Jesus saying on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So whether or not we've faced tragedy, pain, suffering, or whether we have been blessed with a pain-free life, I don't believe any of us would say that. Jesus, as Matthew says in his gospel, is the answer. And wins for us the greatest prize. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite the band to come back. We're going to sing a very simple song called Spirit Fall. And just to wait on the Lord together.